Hello, hello, and welcome to the first episode of season two of The Orange Table. Aisha and I are here in the studio, much better than our previous janky setup (laughs) (laughs) on Zoom. Um, I'm really excited to start off this season with a call to action um, and just kind of pondering on the new possibilities that exist now that we're back on campus, because... The issues have not changed, and things have not progressed very much or really at all. Um, so I think there's a conversation to be had about what this semester will look like for our community in terms of organizing. Um, and then we want to kind of finish it off with a conversation around this trend that we've been seeing in the social media representation of our community, mm-hmm. and not just the black community, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I think it's honestly just a general problem with an overrepresentation on Instagram, on Twitter, on all the platforms of non-white students um, as the majority, which is not the truth mm-hmm. of where we sit. Um, so yeah, we're we're back and we're ready to have these tough conversations. Welcome to the Orange Table. Yeah, let's get started. I think <clears throat> Aisha and I were just talking here before we got recording about... Um, kind of this dialogue between students, particularly black students, black student organizers and the administration, which has been going on for so long. And I kind of feel like on my end, with every new story, like with the Tyler Eddy story and then with the Cat story, there's like this tension that becomes so evident and like becomes visible and people start having these conversations in their daily lives. But then the university gives like a quick response. And as busy students, we don't have time to dedicate all of our Um, energy to these kind of things the issues just kind of fizzle away but I feel like that central question of where the line stands in terms of free speech is still one that's um, super open and one that kind of needs to be resolved and Aisha and I were talking about like the responsibility of the administration especially given their ideas and like the way that they've kind of built a regime of like absolute free speech to engage in these conversations. Um, Personally, I feel like it's beyond hypocritical for it to be, for them to promote an idea of free speech where uh, black students have to interact with and be on a campus where someone can use the Mm N-word, where a professor can call an activist organization a terrorist organization, um, so, like, we have to take that incoming, and there's no sort of regulation on that, but the people in power, the administration, Eyes Group in particular, can build a concrete wall around him in terms of taking any hard questions or taking any criticism, and I don't know, I, should, I feel like breaking down that idea is just using the logic that I learned at this institution, so like, in <laughs> many ways, like, I... I, I don't understand how they can try to fool us into thinking that that's even a valid position for them to take if they're unwilling to engage. And I think, not to like dive right into it, but this kind of, for our purposes, becomes a request, I think, for an administrator or Eisgrew himself, preferably Eisgrew himself, to come on the show and talk with us. What do you think about that? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think it's an interesting request because, like Omar was saying earlier, um, Eyes Groover just, like, puts out 
like he'll just like put out a message after some instance like a Tyler like a Tyler Eddy situation or like an instance of a student being racist and like the black community will know be an uproar and then he'll just put some out, put out some statement think that oh like all all is fine and well and dandy in the world and he never like allows us to question him to ask him the hard questions we just have to like suffer at this institution um and we have to deal with this quote-unquote free speech of other students to basically harass us like verbally Mm -hmm. um and he can just put out a statement and it's all fine and dandy but like we want to ask him questions and since it's free speech i think we should be able to ask him whatever we want and i think he should tell us saying there's no obligation (laughs) but i'm saying he should tell us because it's like it's a matter of like fairness and under under, like of course he's like the president of the university but like that doesn't mean that he's like better than us i don't really think that means anything to be honest i just think it means a board of people just chose you to be in charge of this institution with lots of money but i don't think that that means anything about your your character Mm -hmm. or your um your moral your morals um so i think if Iscobar wants anybody to think that he's any sort of ally to the black community um he should come on the orange table and talk to us (laughs) (laughs) i agree i agree that is that is the test as to whether you're an ally um and i think particularly because he's made promises specifically to our community like i remember covering last fall for the news section um his plan to address systemic racism here Mm. after the summer and i just think about how responsive the university was to the needs of our community and some of the previous demands during a time when the media was saturated with Mm -hmm. this conversation but now that people have lost interest now that non-black people have lost interest um there's just no like political energy in that direction and i think quite frankly it's time to start those conversations and we kind of wanted to start off the season with that request not only for that episode, hopefully at one point, but even more dialogue with students. I want to kind of reemphasize this point, how much this is a community show. Like Aisha and I, especially now having a studio, we're sitting right here. We have two more mics at least that we can get people on. And it'd be great to have, yeah, like (laughs) just walk into the studio um, next time we're filming and make your voice heard because I think that too often as a community, we all like when we're together can like joke about <laughs> big issues and like mm-hmm. kind of play them off but this is a platform i think um to reach a lot of people and hopefully start more than a dialogue but like actually see some changes cuz there's always been so much to do mm-hmm. um so yeah i think that's like our big plug to come on the show uh literally just they can DM us. Can find us in some way. Find me. Find me walking around now. DM me on Instagram. Like, just like I, I work at the welcome desk. Come up. Yeah. To the welcome desk. I'll be there. Aisha's always in first until like two a.m. Come to the desk. And be like, I want to be in the orange ship. I'll be like, okay. Yeah. I got you. No and problem. and we'll make it happen. Um, okay. So with all that being said, we want to dive into a really quick analysis of something that's been on our minds. Um, I got to campus a little bit late and I was scrolling through all of the events, especially for like the 24s. Mm-hmm. And 
it was all black people, all the black 24s in particular, <laughs> <laughs> many of whom I know. Yeah. And uh, on the one hand, and this is kind of like to pose both sides of it, like on one hand that makes me really proud and makes me really happy and I think is inspiring to a lot of future potential students down the line to like see people who look like them succeeding and taking up space at the organization like that's incredible but then on the other hand like having been a biracial student here and understanding the experiences of non-white students and particularly students in our community like to have all those smiling photos of Mm -hmm. black students on Princeton notice and on the Princeton main page like to what extent does that sell a reality that doesn't exist Mm-hmm. And maybe in some ways uh, promote, I don't know, just an idea of campus unity and an idea of like how this institution treats uh, its black students that doesn't uh, comport with reality. Mm-hmm. What do you think? What did you think when you saw those photos? No, I think you're right because it's it's a misrepresentation. It's like false advertising, <laughs> literally. <laughs> because like imagine. When I was, like, walking around, or when I walk around sometimes, like, it's a lot of, like, tour tour groups and, like, mm-hmm. tour people and, like, off-campus, like, tourists coming around to, like, see the university. So maybe if they, want to, if they want their kids to come here, that sort of thing. And I've seen a couple black families, and mm. I want to go to them and be like, no, run away, no, run away. Get out, get out, get out. <laughs> get out while you can, because it's just, like, like, Princeton has so many problems. And for them just to, like, put pictures of black students um, on their page, like, consistently, like, constantly. Like, the same black students who the, who they, like, disregard, the same black students who have been mistreated um, at this university for many, many years um, in the past, mm-hmm. currently. Like, the same black <clears throat> students who were, were literally probably felt attacked by the Tyler Eddy situation, mm-hmm. by um, Ice Groover's, like, quote-unquote, free speech um, agenda. And so... It's just, it's upsetting because they want to use our bodies and our faces mm-hmm. for their um, their advantage. Um, to make Princess seem like a, this open, like, like liberal place, you know, for right. everyone. For it's, it's, it's a place for everyone, and we're all accepting, and, we're, you know, we're all, we're all coming together here, but that's, that's not true. And it's great to have representation of black students on the social media, the Instagram, but let's also talk about the ways in which the university can do better instead of just posting pictures of smiling black students to make people think that we're just so happy-go-lucky here. Right. Absolutely. And it's like, I think it goes back to, like, centuries of objectification. Like, I think your point about how they want to use, like, the visual and, mm-hmm. and like, the, the black body and how that looks on their, like, for their branding purposes, not actually taking into account the full humanity of how students are being treated um 100 i think i think it's tough though because it's not just about social media like i think it's a general question for me of how much you align yourself with the university and its brand and like mm-hmm. how proud you are to disclose and like attach yourself to this institution when you go elsewhere like i think even like when you go back to atlanta and like when i go home like how mm-hmm. like how do we promote our relationship to Princeton and like in what ways are we also letting people know um, the more problematic dynamics at play? Mm-hmm. 
What do you tell people about Princeton when you go back home? Like, do you, <laughs> um, <laughs> like, do you cherry pick the good things or do you kind of? No, I like tell them the stuff. I think my parents are different because like, obviously like they're African immigrants. Yeah, like Princeton is kind of like the end all be all for like your education, like an institution to go to. Like that's what your parents want for you, obviously, because right. they came here, you know, for you know the whole better life, American dream mm-hmm. stuff, right? I get it. But, like, I tell my parents even all the time, like, Princeton is not this great, amazing place. Like, I complain about it all the mm-hmm. time. Because even my friends, like, a lot of my friends go to, like, school in Georgia. They go to, like, state school. So they go to, like, UGA, Georgia State. Um, the occasional, like, tech kid, Georgia Tech kid. And so Princeton is kind of like, like, oh, my God, like, girl, you got into Princeton. Like, mm-hmm. this is so great. Like, how's Princeton? How you doing? Like, it's so cool. Right. Kind of thing. And I'm like, girl, it's really not all this, but it's all this made out to be. Like, let me tell you, you were having a much better time at your institution than maybe than I am. Mm-hmm. And I mean, because all, all institutions have their issues. All universities have their problems. But it's just, I think, because it's like Princeton University and it's like the quote unquote number one, like rated college <laughs> university, like in the United yeah, States, in the world. US News. In the world or is in the United States? Maybe I'm bugging. It's the United States. Yeah. The US. Um, <laughs> At least in the United States, you know? And so there's kind of this, like, this aura of, like, I don't know. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's like, like, how could you complain? Yeah. Like, like it's, yeah. it's like this, it's kind of like at a godly status in mm-hmm. universities. So it's like when people, like, they're like, oh, my God, Princeton. Like, how do you complain about going to Princeton? You just, you should just be happy to go there. Right. But I'm like, no, because, like, at one point, like, People like me couldn't even go to Princeton. Mm-hmm. Like women, yeah. or black women <laughs> or black in particular, women, yeah. um, black people like could not attend this institution. Like mm-hmm. literally, this is kind of off track, but in my freaking dorm, which was built in 1922, by the way, I don't know why I'm living in a 100-year-old dorm, but anyways, my dorm was built in 1922. Mm-hmm. Like there's barely any women's bathrooms in the dorm because my right. the Princeton didn't have women, female students at the time when the dorm was built. So they literally had to like put the put F on the door. And they put F on like two doors in the whole building. And the yeah. men have bathrooms on every single floor. I have to walk down two, four, two flights of stairs just to get to the bathroom. Things like that. And it's like people like fought for these things. People like questioned university. People were like, this is not okay. People criticize university because that's what you're supposed to do. You're, if you want to get better, you're supposed to accept criticism. You're supposed to take it. You're supposed to listen to it. Absolutely. If you want to make an institution that you're proud of, that is open and accepting, that's actually something and not just like on social media, like, accepting, like, like these black students, right. then right. you should listen to these criticisms that these students have because they attend this institution. They've been here for years, and they'll be here for a couple years more. And they obviously are going to, they know what students in the future are going to want. They understand, like, the things that are wrong with the university, and so you should listen to them because they go mm-hmm. here. Hello? Like, <laughs> institution's not just for the administrators. Like, we're the ones who attend this school. We're yeah. going to be the alumni that you're asking for money that you're asking money money from in a couple of years. Exactly. And if you don't change things, I'm not giving you any money. Just None, so you know. Zero. I'm not giving you any of my money when I get it. Definitely not until divestment. <laughs> At the very least. At the very least, but we want even more than that. Um, yeah, I think we can kind of finish out with this question of like an aspirational Princeton. I think about this a lot in terms of like the black community's connection to mm-hmm. a patriotism and like mm-hmm. American identity. Like there are a lot of black people who do identify as patriots because they are envisioning America as this like aspirational idea, like Mm -hmm. this idea that even the founders didn't live up to, but one that we can still claim as our own and like try Mm -hmm. to fight for. And I wonder 
I feel like that's kind of where I end with conversations like this. Like, even though there are so many issues and, like, I think the the real Princeton that exists now and has existed is one that I don't um, have a great relationship to. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not super proud of. There's, there's still, <laughs> like, for me, there's still this aspirational Princeton that I think it can become. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like the reason why we're emphasizing action right now is because it's been so stagnant for so long. Like mm-hmm. when you look back at the demands of the BGL in 2015 and even before then, like we're asking for the same things mm-hmm. that we were almost a decade back. Mm-hmm. So I think like for me, where I end on the conversation is that I, I'm aspirational. I do think that there is a positive future, but I feel like it's not going to happen unless we actually do something now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I find issue with the fact that there, I feel like there has to be some catalyst to mm-hmm. make like right some semblance of like change ish happen. Like every time there's an instance where students like you know start up activism again, protest again, try to get these demands that we've been asking for over the years, like many many years, students have been asking for the same thing. The university's like, okay, well we'll have meetings, you know, we'll like set things up, <laughs> we'll get things going. And then it's like, boom, you graduated. And then, boom, you have to start yeah. all over again. And you have to wait for a whole other catalyst for the university to even care because, obviously, that's what's right. going to be put in the media. People are going to come here, film students, you know, doing sit-ins, protesting, that sort of thing. And that's when the university wants to, like, make change. But it's just like, why do we need that? Why don't you just want to listen to us and, like, make things better? Like, yeah, it, 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 it's hard because it feels like so stagnant like you said like so it's it's kind of like i'm at a point where like where where do we even begin like what do we even do what do we yeah. even start no i i feel the same way and i think although i'd love to like respond to that with some sort of astute answer about how we can move forward i feel like i need to know how serious the administration and the officials who are telling us that they want things to change are and mm-hmm. i think um that's kind of the perfect place to end it is that we have questions and we're looking for answers, uh, and we are we have enough energy and passion to follow that through. So uh, I'll finish again with the fact that Aisha and I want to have a conversation mm-hmm. with the president of this university. Period. So <laughs> that's where we'll end our very first episode. Thank you guys so much for listening, and catch more of the Orange Table at thedailyprincetonian.com. Bye, guys. YouTube. Bye.